dark side. Light this bitch up. up everybody my name is james d fiore and this is black ball it has been an amazing year for the plymouth brethren christian church and i'll tell you why during this year they were able to take personal inventory of their leadership and their organization and start making adjustments <laughs> because of the blowback of people like my guests today. And uh, the only role that I feel like I played into it is just offering them a place for them to tell their stories. And I have been a, a willing participant in this and I am so proud of all of the ex-members who have come on this show. And we're gonna circle back to where it all kind of began today. And we're gonna give an update on what's happening um, within the cult and with people who have escaped its clutches. And to do that, please welcome to the show. His name is Richard Marsh. Richard. Yes, how James. Are you, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I, I'm very excited um, when I think about the past year that, um, that we've been sort of, uh, since I met you, and since you've been on the show and all of in the parade of ex-members that have come in the show to share their stories. And I think I want to begin this podcast by asking you um, very seriously. We are seeing the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church deal with the blowback from our podcasts and the stories that have come out of these podcasts. Would I be correct in making that assumption? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's publicly... There's probably not much to see for it, but of course we, as a result of the podcast, we have increasing numbers of internal contacts inside the church, and and yeah, it's um, they just don't know what to do. They're they're kind of stunned, I think. Um, you know, in the past they've been dealing with, you know, one individual has spoken out, and then a year or two later, some other scandal breaks, and some in, other individual speaks out. But this is, you know, we're now into 50 podcasts. It's just a flood. And yeah. the, their, their denials are just increasingly hollow, increasingly irrelevant. Um, this is not isolated incidents. What's, what, what you see when you listen to all these podcasts is exactly the same dirty tricks played by the church in exactly the same way again and again and again. And they can't, I mean, usually they're, when they really get cornered in the past, when they've really got cornered, they would kind of blame it down onto one individual in one local congregation that overstepped the mark. But when you see exactly the same tactic repeated again and again, and when you get people who've had face-to-face -face encounters with Bruce Hales, the so-called man of God, and you hear what he has actually said to them, it just becomes undeniable that firstly, this church has a a centralized, um, what what would the word be? Like they had some kind of central office or administration that that spends all their time trying to suppress former members and to spin the story. 
Uh, and it's all directed by Bruce Hales. It, it's very much like the the Scientologists had a had a a, a secretariat or a, or an office that was, you know, the fair game deal that was, you know, a small subset of people who were just dedicated full time to suppressing dissidents. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to start off. Um, I want to talk about Michael Batchelor for a second, actually. Uh, I know that we're going to cover um, uh, the, some of the guests that you've had on the Get a Life podcast. And by the way, I, I encourage everyone um, go to YouTube and, and find the Get a Life podcast conversations with ex cultists. Is that what you call it? What do you call it? Ex Get a Life ex cult conversations. Ex cult conversations. Um, yeah. It is eye opening. Like you, I often. Um, you know, tag along and 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 I'm able to to procure uh, guests from your show because I want them to be able to have like as many opportunities as they can to uh, to tell their stories, right? And yeah. the uh, Michael Bachelard, who wrote this book, Behind the Exclusive Brethren, is um, when you were just talking there about Bruce Hales and 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 the organ and the way that the PBCC. Uh, goes against vengeance uh, you know uh, go you know when when they excommunicate members who then speak out mm. i didn't realize that he had been offered settlements like oh yeah been, uh, can you yeah. can you explain that because he it, it was really interesting he has so many stories in his book and you know that he had a bunch of lawyers take a look at all of his content to make sure that they weren't going to get sued and then the opposite almost happened can you relay that story because when i heard that, yeah I well he um michael bachelard when he was researching uh, talking to ex-brethren researching for his book or for his newspaper articles was actually offered a sort of all expenses holiday on some pacific island i forget which one you know fiji one of these places if he would just take it all down and do something else um mm. <laughs> I, uh, Bruce Hales, if you're listening, I could use some money. <laughs> now, I'm not saying I will keep my end of the bargain, but if you yeah. want to tempt me with a quarter million dollars, yeah. you can try. I might take it and then fuck you, but nonetheless, you can try. Yeah, yeah. you're Bruce. You could you could take a chance on it, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, no, I wouldn't take it. Uh, it. It would be I would need it, but I wouldn't take it because I think it's far too much work. And mm -hmm. and um. I want to bring in Cheryl now. Cheryl, Cheryl Hope, everybody. How you doing? Good to see I'm you. I'm doing okay. How are you? I, I'm doing well. We kind of threw this podcast together. It was going to be me and Richard, and then I started, uh, well, to be perfectly honest, I was like, Richard, I don't have a plan for the show. Let's promote your podcast, <laughs> though, um, because I think that that would make the most sense. And um, let's talk about that, actually, first, uh, Cheryl, because you came on my show. It was, what was it, like a year ago? June 28th. June 28th, so uh, uh, close to a year, about 10 months ago or so. And um, that started it all for as far as um, the the sort of aval. I guess, Richard, you were the first on the show. But Cheryl, your story was the first kind of like serious story uh, about abuse and, and that subject matter. And it created this amazing trend among ex-members to come on Blackballed. And then you guys started your podcast. And I think, first of all, your podcast far more important than mine because it's told by ex-members. It doesn't have just this like douchebag host that's just trying to glean information from members, right? But um, how has that changed your life? Because I know it probably has. It's so busy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so busy. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, like yesterday, I was just like, yeah, I'm shutting my phone off while I'm at the dog park, but it's busy. It's mm. good, though. I mean, it's definitely a learning curve on how to learn how to balance everything because this isn't easy, light conversations that are coming in, right? These are people who are relating their trauma to what they're seeing on the podcast. And then it brings up more and it brings up more and it brings up more than it's insiders that are uh, contacting you. Then you have insiders that are, you know, giving you information about what your family's saying. And I mean, it's, it's, it is, it's, it's really good, James. It is super good, but it is a lot to handle. It is a lot of responsibility. Um, I wish some days there were like five of me and five of Richards and five of Carmen's and, you know, five Richards. Oh my God. (laughs) You know what though? He can put good words together. He's my word conjurer dude. Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, no offense, but after that sentence, you kind of need one. (laughs) (laughs) My word conjurer dude. Uh, No, but what I meant by, by five Richards is that I would just never hear the end of how bad hip hop music is. And I just, I I wouldn't be able to take that. Um, okay, so let us. Let, I want to start by going over a few of the recent podcast guests that you've had, and and talk about their stories. Um, I've had one of these people on my show before, but I want to talk about all three of them because I think they're super important. And I want to start off with this person, Abby Thompson. That's her name, right? Mm, Just yeah. Sure. Okay, can you give me, uh, Cheryl, maybe you can start. Can you give me um, mm. sort of the lowdown on what you learned on your podcast when she was a guest? And why it's so important that the one aspect of her story is that she literally just left. Yeah, I've been talking to Abby for a while now. And it's just heart-wrenching, heart-wrenching what she went through. So she went through sexual abuse, obviously. And um, actually, her uh, perpetrators was sent to jail, but he was originally sentenced to 30 years and he had a crowns. Can you help me with the words here, Richard? A crowns, a QC, the the brethren hired a QC. Yeah. And so they got reduced. Queen's council. I suppose they're called King's council now, basically a top notch, extremely expensive lawyer. Mm -hmm. And so his sentence was, was reduced from 30 to four. Um, she spent, so she had a right hand, um, seat with Bruce. Like Bruce Hales actually told her that he was going to be a father to her. Like she was sent to Sydney on on an encouragement trip. She was, when we're talking about being offered money, she was offered 50,000 pounds to cancel everything out. Of course she was like, no, not at all. To drop Um, the case against a perpetrator. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wow, that is but a it, really thoughtful thing of Bruce Hales to do. Right, I'll, fifty thousand. Bribe <laughs> someone to let their rapist go free. What a sweetheart! Holy shit. Yeah. Um, but she has her her story is very interesting in the fact that she had a lot of interaction with Bruce, a lot of interaction with people in Sydney. Um, and then when she was in Sydney and going to the school there, she had she was sexually assaulted in the schools there. Oh. Um, in the Brethren School in Sydney. In the Brethren School, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, her story is just, I mean, I think she's only left in January. Um, Just, just, it's just so full. It's so full of heartache. And we're so proud of her. Her podcast, there's still another one coming out. It's a three-part series. Mm. Um, We had like five hours worth of uh, podcasts that we did with her. Um, She took a lot of time and effort in sitting down and trying to explain everything that happened in there. um, Why sexual abuse is so prominent in there. How it happens. And then her third one is 
literally going into how um, Bruce Hales has this business that he calls the PBCC. Like she really goes into the structure of it and how he's so successful at doing what he's doing. Is that the um, um, the organization that they say was defamed by Bachelard's book, even though the organization existed after the book came out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What a legal argument that is. Listen, we got yeah. a DeLorean. You won't understand this, Richard, because it's back to the future of the joke. And let's take the DeLorean back in time <laughs> so that we can. <laughs> I have watched that one since I left. <laughs> oh, wait. Well done. Yeah. 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 So, um, okay. So, why would someone like Bruce Hales, like, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the strategy behind Bruce Hales saying, hey, abuse victim, why don't you come see me so I can bribe you? Is that a normal, typical reaction for Bruce Hales, or does he normally not get his fingers dirty when it comes to stuff that happens in the UK or Canada or whatever? Yeah, and I'm not sure if it came if the bribe came from when she was in Sydney or if the bribe came from when she was um, in the UK. I think it was when she was in the UK. That's I mean, what I think when, too. when she was in Sydney, um, she hadn't spoken out about her abuse in the UK or abuse as a That's child. Right. They just could, you know, she was misbehaving in the brethren's eyes so they sent her to sydney to see if this would help but of course the real a real problem was that she had been the you know a victim of this sort of intensive sexual abuse from a very young age and then when she got back to the uk she defied the brethren took her abuser to court and then the brethren come along with well you know we'll give you fifty thousand pounds if you drop the case and, and, and the thing that shocks me about it is given the extraordinary wealth of the PBCC, what a lousy offer that was. What an insult. I mean, the guy who offered the money, you know, it'll be one of these fat cat British brethren businessmen, like his wife's shopping car's worth twice that. And that's all they could do. I mean, it's, it's you know, you, you really wonder what new depths they can plumb when it comes to that kind of crap. Yeah, um, it, it's... It, it, it nothing surprises me anymore and, and yet i always feel like i'm surprised um <laughs> let me let me ask you this uh, before we get to the next because i want to talk about a, a couple more guests but before we do that have you heard of anybody who has experienced any blowback after appearing on your show or my show uh yeah i mean some have got some have got blowback from relatives inside um just in terms of criticism and you know emails saying oh what do you do this for and take it down um no one's got any and uh, the, the plymouth brethren as a church haven't taken any action whatever against anyone who's appeared on any of our podcasts as far as i'm aware it's I, usually I, the families so it's the families yeah. that are reaching out i mean um I will bring up one thing that was was posted on our on our one a YouTube one of our podcasts, and it was we agree that we agree that it's probably a troll. Um, and she did she she in her own way threatened threatened someone's life in the sense of saying you know if you're still alive in twelve months, um, keep up the rhetoric and see how it bides for you. And I did report mm -hmm. it as a death threat, um, and I'm sure it was just some peep troll. Um, but sorry, someone, sorry, sorry. Can you explain that again? Someone's reached out to you and said, no, someone posted a comment on one of the, one of our, one of our very, um, potent podcasts 
and left a message saying, um, if you're still alive in 12 months, keep up the rhetoric and see how it bides for you. Okay. Well, and that goes back to that. They pray for our removal inside the church, right? So Mm -hmm. when they pray for our removal, they're praying for our death. And so supposedly Bruce has this track record of when he prays for someone to be removed, they usually die within 12 months. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, I want what Richard's drinking because he's been alive for more than that. I know. I kind of imagining Bruce with this voodoo doll and he's got this hair stuck on the top. And somewhere this poor dog is yowling with pain because he's got the wrong hair. <laughs> I just picture Bruce shouting to this guy, hey, Jesus. And Jesus just never answering yeah. him, right? Like just, yeah. you know. He just got but the I wrong mean, coordinates. The lightning just keeps hitting the house over the road. To them inside, though, they take it very seriously. Like, it, it's, yeah. it's very serious when they're praying for the removal of somebody, mm. right? Yeah. It's a little, like, not a little. It's disturbing. It's you know? very disturbing. Especially mm-hmm. if you're a person that believes, and I don't know what I believe, I, I, right? Like, And I want, oh, that's something I wanted to say on this podcast, too. If there's any ex-members um, that are um, unsure whether or not to come on my show, I just want to make a promise to you, and I really mean this. I'm not being funny or anything like that. Uh, obviously, I'm a non-believer when it comes to God. I will not judge anyone for believing, and I will not talk about my lack of belief if it makes anyone feel uncomfortable. And, and I just want to state that because I have heard... <sighs> Uh, there was a couple people that contacted me that said that they would come on my show, but because I'm an atheist, they weren't sure if they wanted to. And and really, that's not a part of the conversation when when I have ex-members on this show. I, I don't need you to ask me about my beliefs, and I won't share them if it makes you feel uncomfortable. So I just want to get that out of the way. Do you know what? I think that this is super important that you say this, James, is because I think if you're a Christian— to me, Christianity is all about loving everybody, no matter what their beliefs are. And then in humanity, in our society today, that's what we need. We need to learn how to be open arms to whoever and whatever they believe in if they need help. Hmm. I yeah. do. I just 100 percent. I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because I agree that it shouldn't. We should be able to hold hands with whoever, because you never know if that person that you're holding hands with, no matter what they believe, they could be the next dynamite that needs to break through something and i have uh, you know i've gone over my own belief system over the last couple years and 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 i'm not as it may shock people to to hear me say this but i'm not a a militant atheist anymore i i'm i i still don't believe but i have a very um massive um spot of envy uh inside me for people who are able to utilize the tool of their faith to make them feel better in times of crisis and trauma. I actually believe that like, uh, if I had some sort of belief system that, that uh, was similar, that, that maybe I could get over grieving processes a, a little bit easier. So, so listen, I have a healthy respect for people. I just don't, you know, and I won't even talk about what I don't like about religion. I, I like that aspect of people's faith. So I just wanted to get that out of the way because I, I know that some people are uncomfortable when I, you know, make fun of Jesus or, or when I, well, the profanity thing, I'll never get over that. I, 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 like, just deal with the profanity. If someone wants to come on the show and they're like, I'm not comfortable when you swear, I won't swear for you because I don't think that swearing is prioritized above telling people stories that are important. <laughs> right? Um, okay. I want to go on to uh, a guest that I just recently had on the show as well. And Richard, maybe, maybe actually Cheryl, well, whoever. Um, but it's 
Heidi McCamley. She came on my show, I guess it was a week ago now or so. And her story was just, and it's still unfolding. And she was, uh, she, she was married to a person that she was sort of forced to be married to. Uh, he turned out to be horribly abusive. And then the church started to do their thing where they started trying to manipulate behind the scenes. Can someone, one of you, uh, Richard, maybe we'll start with you. Um, you know, can give me a, a sort of recap on Heidi's story and why that one is also so important right now. Well, the thing, the thing to me that's, that's really important about that story is, is not so much what actually happened, but the fact that for the first time, for the first time ever, we've actually got kind of, we've actually got recordings of the priests, you know, the, these fearful and, and much hated priests of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church in action. We've, we've, got, we've got the recordings. We're playing them live. We're hearing, you know, these, I mean, you know, the priests, it's all cloaked in a veil of mystery and holiness. And, you know, when the brethren use the term, well, that's in a priestly area, they mean that's ultra top secret. No one must talk about it. I thought that was and like private like, we've, parts. We've kind of whipped the veil, the, the kind of, you know, the moth-eaten brocade off this mystery corner and revealed like the sad, um, juvenile, pig-headed little idiots that actually populate. We revealed what we've all went through for all those years. And it now is given permission to other people that are in there to know, hey, I'm going to start recording my priestlies. I'm going to start recording everything. Because even if you can't use it in, in a court case, it doesn't matter. You get to use it to be able to give proof of what you went through when mm. people are telling you that no, that didn't happen because that's their biggest thing. They lie. They lie. Oh my goodness. They lie so much in there. They lie so much yeah. in there. So, and, and if there's any insiders that are watching this right now is yes, just record for your own sanity so that when you come, they come back and you say, well, this is what you said to me, you know, especially when, like Heidi caught some really pivotal stuff on audio. And yeah. I mean, she's got a lot. We never obviously didn't air it all. We can't air it all. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that she recorded. Mm. Well, the the one thing that I, I, I played when she was on the show was enough for me. Like the, the priestly visit guy, Mike, um, <laughs> spent the entire time um, d- not talking about the elephant in the room, which was the terrible abuse that mm-hmm. she suffered at the hands of her husband. And focused on helping the husband and swearing. Yes, Heidi called her husband an, an asshole. asshole. I mean, that was uh, really. Richard, that's Richard the, I'll yeah, stop sorry. this podcast if you say that again. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Go, ahead. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. I did say it with an English accent. It's that's an true. asshole in North Sounded America. It's an, ar- it's an asshole, James. <laughs> Assholes are quite different. Um, uh, yeah, and. And the other, the other, not only did she record it, but I mean, the brethren, as Cheryl said, they deny, they deny, they deny. But this time we had a story and we had the recordings to back it up. Yeah, this is what the priests do. This is what they say. This is how stupid and petty and juvenile they are. And, you know, we just kind of ripped, It's you know, it's like the emperor's new clothes. I mean, we all knew they were fakes and phonies, but suddenly we're proving it and it's it, it it'll be a real shock to people inside i mean never ever has i mean i've never even seen a transcript of a priestly conversation suddenly we've got it all 
all on record. And multiple ones. You, and multiple hours of it. And this yeah. is the first time, too, where we get to see a dad stick up for his daughter, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. she's got a yeah. kick-ass dad. And <laughs> I hope that sets a standard in there for yeah. Wendy's pre- If I mean, there's a lot of people in there that watch these. And so I'm just hoping that some of these fathers in there take her dad's you know, what he did and yeah. give, it gives them permission to be able to do the same. Just yeah. to give context to my audience, um, the normally the family members of someone who is being uh, given a, uh, a who's being visited by these figures uh, during these priestly visits, normally the family always sides with the institution of the church before they side with their family members. On this audio recording, we heard Heidi's father basically lay into this guy mm-hmm. and 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 tell him like listen you are what you are doing right now is ter- I, i'm paraphrasing is terribly disrespectful you have a big blind spot when it comes to the real problem here mm-hmm. and i i find it uh, completely uh, absurd and and a lack of respect and and to hear um someone say that in that context is something that many ex-members and and current members, I would imagine, have never even heard before. No, my dad never did it. I like when I heard that, I was it made me want to cry inside. That that's what I wished my dad had done for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a it, it does kind of suggest that. I mean, the priests rule by fear. The reason mm-hmm. everyone is so subject, and the reason why people will will do the worst things to the people they most love is they're terrified of the priests because the priests represent the authority of Bruce Hales. If you defy the priest, you're defying Bruce Hales, you're defying God, basically. So the fact that someone is prepared to actually throw off or overcome that fear and defy a priest, you know, maybe the whole system of fear is weakening. Maybe this is symptoms of a much larger kind of sea change inside the brethren, whereby they're kind of realizing, well, there's only one Bruce Hales and there's 55,000 of us. So why are we so scared of this guy? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like maybe it's just the first little green shoots of spring coming up out the frozen ground. Give me an idea, guys, of of the types of give me the bullet points of what you've heard as far as the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church um, changing tactics and strategies in order to protect themselves from us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one example, just to get the ball rolling, was that whole thing about how they. they were canceling their virtual meetings for a while because we got a copy of the of a recording of, yeah. of the of the virtual meetings. Well, yeah, it was a, it was a conference. It was their Sydney conference. They it was delayed for a whole month because we leaked some previous conference recordings, and then they all panicked that what happens if they get hold of this? Well, of course we did get hold of it. Yeah. Um, but it, that was obviously a. You know, they were trying to figure out any possible way they could stop this thing from leaking. Um, but the, the the real answer is, James, that there's not an awful lot they can do. Um, you know, I, I think they're really they're really starting to realize they're they're in a corner here. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree yeah. that they are starting to they're playing more of a defense in there now. Like it's it is, it is more of um, for example, yeah, I mean, they, the, you know, all of a sudden it's like, okay, let's crack down on a phone and people get worried about maybe their phone being just taken at any moment and gone through. I, I think they're more in a defense mode right now mm. than they are about, um, 
trying to figure out how to stop us. I think they're more about like, what can we do inside here? You know? um, I'm surprised that I haven't been served with any papers yet. They won't though. Like, and, and a lot of people say this and I, and I know they won't. How do you, and I say, bring it on if you want to, you think of how many sexual abuse victims there are. There is no way they're going to want to bring all those people onto a stand. Right. I mean, it's just, it's one after another, after another, after another, you know, it's, we're 50 podcasts in and with a list this long behind us of people that are still trying to get their stuff together in order to be able to tell their story. In spite of the kind of depths of depravity that we've already revealed, there's stuff coming up that's worse. I mean, there's no end to this. I mean, it's like, imagine the whole of, imagine a huge dammed reservoir full of sewage and you kind of drill a one-inch hole through the bottom of the dam and the sewage starts spewing out. That's I don't like where being, we are at the moment. I don't like, being able, to smell, I, I don't like to be able to smell your analogies, Richard. Oh, you can <laughs> smell it, I tell you. But, I mean, it, it's going to keep coming out for an awful yeah, long time. Yeah. 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 And there's, the thing is, is there's there's so many of them that are in families too, that are on their way out. They're on their way out with like, Hey, I'm going to be, I'm leaving the state. I'm leaving, you know, that are literally people are seeing what they're in. And I think that's why it's so important when we have stories like Abby's come on, especially such a recent lever and same with um, Heidi, right? She's such a recent lever too. When we have those people that are, they come out and they shed that fear and they just blast through it to come on and be vocal about what they went through, it does give a lot of courage inside there. Mm. Yeah. The, the yeah. inspiration is is clear. And, uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and I guess that's what we're seeing over the past, say eight months or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, once one or two or three or four people go, then other than one or two or three people come out of the woodwork and they, they basically get in the queue. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we both experienced it. I think that, um, and I'm, I'm grateful for this, because I think you guys have more of a, 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 a suitable starting point than I do, that they, they, they used to gravitate towards me, and then you your podcast started, and they started gravitating towards you, and I think that's the right avenue for them to go, <clears throat> because, uh, again, because you guys have been there. Um, who's Cassie Davis? And g- tell me her story, Cheryl. Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. I've had so many. I, I had so many. Um, <clears throat> oh, Richard, do you remember? Cassie Davis is from is from Western Australia. She's um, she grew up in the Brethren in a in a very large family. Um, her father was was abusive to her mother, um, and she uh, realized that at quite a young age that this was a very unhappy marriage and she recognized that quite a lot of marriages in the brethren are yeah, very right. unhappy um and well, then when she... really sorry i was gonna make a joke about the outside world being the exact same thing but please go ahead <laughs> uh, and i think what stands out in cassie's story is is the the horrific i mean for anyone to be born into the brethren is a bad thing but if you're a woman it's particularly bad. Yeah. Uh, what, what comes out is the misogyny and the disrespect of women, the regard of women as, as chattels, you know, objects to be owned. And, and, and so she, she gets to a marriageable age and she comes under intense pressure to get married. Um, and she 
almost caves into it. She's going with this guy that she had barely seen. She had spoken to him just for a very short time, you know, a little bit like my story, which I thought was unique. And then she came under this intense pressure, you know, get married to this guy, get married to this guy. And she staved it off and staved it off and finally had this kind of light bulb moment that, no, she was going to go. Um, and turns out the guy was actually, you know, had all manner of problems. And part of the reason that she was pressurized so hard into marrying this guy is they thought, well, you know, we need to stabilize this person. So we'll get him married off. And then, you know, that will kind of lock him into the fellowship. Um, and she wrote a letter. So she, when she questioned all this, she wanted to get a hold of Bruce Hales. I remember her story now. Um, she wrote, she was, she was trying to get a hold of Bruce Hales because she wanted to bring up her concerns from her own upbringing. And she didn't want, she's like, she didn't want to be a submissive wife. And she wanted to know what that word was, was how submissive did she have to be? That if there was this kind of abuse, could she leave the marriage? And, um, it, they wow, told her that, question. Yeah, yeah, right. She wanted to know the level of submission she had to do because of what she grew up with. And she knew that she didn't want to be that. And women are taught that it's like, you know, if your husband wants to have sex that night, well, you're happy. You do. You just don't say no. You don't say no. Um, and I can say that just from everybody that I've talked to that have left. And so she was told to send this via fax. It was a fax, wasn't it, Richard? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was a yeah. fax. That's and so she brethren. didn't want to because it was not at a, it wasn't even at a brethren place. She had to go to this. She didn't want to do this because they were going to be able to see it. And anyhow, what came out of it was they told her she was making a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. I and mean, this is about so they, consent within marriage. Yeah. And the brethren basically like, you don't need to worry about it. It's all yeah. good. You know? And that yeah. was, you know. Really and that was her light bulb moment. She knew yeah. that, no, I'm like, I'm yeah. not doing it. She called it off. And um well Heidi's story is is what that story unfolds. One hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. exactly. If you yeah. stay exactly. in. Yeah. And um, you know, Heidi, um, just for just to remind my audience, when she was on this show, she relayed um that, you know, several times she had to go to the hospital because mm -hmm. um she wasn't supposed to have sex because she had a uh, I think it was an inflamed cyst or something like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. 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 And um and her husband didn't, didn't take matter. no for an answer, essentially yeah. raping her and putting her in the hospital several times. Mm. And, this and you know is, what? Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, we know that this stuff goes on out in the world. We know that, right? All this stuff happens out in the real world. The thing is, is this is happening inside a church under a Christian umbrella that sanctions that, it. That yes, and that also says that none of this stuff happens. Do you know what I mean? So, like, yeah. I get it when people say, "Well, that stuff happens out in the real world." It does. But I'm, what I'm what I'm trying to get people to understand is this is happening inside a very strict church that that is supposed to protect you from all of these things, and it's not. It is it's the like, farthest thing from protection. The idea that you can make an argument, the not you, but the, the royal you, but they, that you can make an argument that says, "Well, this stuff happens in the real world," that is such a bullshit deflection and when and 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 i am highly in tune to these types of deflections because i was raised catholic and if you've ever been um uh you know if you were if you were ever a person that made the argument that you know an alarming amount of priests end up being pedophiles and you find someone that's like look there are a lot of pedophiles in every walk of life 
<laughs> fucking just dismiss that person as an idiot immediately yeah. because the the thing with the catholic church was is that not only were um priests turning out to be pedophiles and we can sit there and speculate all day long as to why they are attracted to the priesthood or whatever the fuck but really the main message is that the church protected the pedophiles and sent yeah. them off to other dioceses to remain pedophiles and victimize new children and that is the common thread between the Catholic Church and the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church yeah. is that they protect the abusers and they allow them to flourish, right? And, and that is my point. Yeah, go ahead, Richard. Sorry, no, I was just going to say it's also that these are people who use their religious authority mm -hmm. um, to victimize people. I mean, that's how they that's how they're getting into people's lives. That's how they're enabled to do this, because they're put in this position of absolute authority, because here they are with authority from Bruce Hales, who has authority from God. Everyone has to do what they say. And particularly if you're a woman, you have to do what any man in the whole church says. And so it becomes ridiculously easy for predatory men to lay their hands on innocent young women and children. And they're raised to be predatory men in a lot of ways, aren't they? Or at well, least in many ways, raised, yeah. At least yeah, they're raised absolutely. to believe that women and are second-class citizens. Yeah. yeah, and they're protected, right? Like in my case, like he was so protected. He, I mean, it's just, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating how they protect. And instead of like any human with a brain would be like, this man needs help. Let's get him help. Right. But no, they just shove it underneath the rug. Let him continue doing what he's doing. How many generations in and still still to this day protecting him. Right. Like it's it's it, it's it is. It's so frustrating. It's very, very frustrating. So frustrating. And I mean, I know for all those Maple Creek in insiders that are watching and will watch this. Um, yeah. Ellen is still under investigation. He's still under investigation just because he's not, he hasn't been arrested like the other, what just happened recently in Maple Creek. Mm. He is still under investigation. So to all of my siblings that are in there and think that Ellen should have been arrested like him. Yes, he should have been, but because the case is so freaking complex, they can't just go in and do that. And because he's being protected by the PBCC, they can't go in and do it like they just did to Mr. Pichu and, and Maple Creek. So, um, yeah, that really freaking annoyed the shit out of me when I get told that, you know, oh, well, it's not true because Ellen would have got arrested like that. Yeah. In a perfect world, I would have loved that. But it's it's not it's it's very, very complex. It's not just one man. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, that was my rant for the evening. No, no, that I get a rant podcast. hundred percent. I agree with you. Yeah. The um. so is Bruce Hales having health trouble? Is that the rumor? Oh yeah, he's in. Yeah, he supposedly had heart surgery and is in recovery. And his hold wife on, supposedly he's got he's got a heart. I'm just kidding. He does have a heart. Well, it it pumps blood anyhow. Yeah. I mean, it probably just pumps alcohol, but, but mostly you know. gin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so happy I don't drink anymore. You know, like right. Like, Me too. It's like one less thing I have in common with the brethren is just that I don't drink. Yeah. You know? Like it's, it's, I have a Dr. Pepper. That's that's what I do now. Um, so what 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 can we expect then? Because I know that um, one of the neat trends that has happened um, behind the scenes, and we talk about it uh, a fair bit, is the people that are currently still in the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church who are sort of like planning ways to to leave. Um, 
how, do we have any of those in the pipe right now? And and is that sort of like where you guys are seeing the trend move towards rather mm-hmm. than from like 10 months ago when it was like collection of ex people mm-hmm. who are already- out There's the a trip? lot of people walking away. But I mean, it it's not something that happens fast, especially when it's families, right? Especially when there's businesses involved. But yes, it is. It's so inspiring to hear and watch. My heart breaks for them knowing as they prepare for the separation of their families, mm-hmm. right? For the people that stay in. I think what gets me the most and where I crash the most is when they come to that situation and when they're texting and knowing like, Hey, this is my last time I'm going to visit my mom, or this is the last time that I'm going to like, it's just, it's heart wrenching because that is the issue in this cult. That is the issue. That's where they hold the power. They hold that power right in that separation rule. Mm. Everything that's the seed. That is the seed of making this a cult because they use that power for everything else. Yeah, explain for uh, some of the people, just remind us what the doctrine of separation basically is. Uh, well, you, you can't have, if you leave, you they have the rule that is, if you leave, you are going into the world and you they keep separate from that. So their rule is, is that they don't have anything to do with the world. They keep separate from that. It keeps them pure. Um, there's a whole scripture on it. Richard, you can probably... Yeah, no, I mean, you, you, you put it very well. I mean, it's a little bit like... It's a little bit like the Mennonites who live in their little colonies and don't have anything to do with the outside world, except that, of course, the brethren actually live in, you know, in cities, in regular but very posh houses. But the separation is is social. So they'll only socialize with other brethren members. They'll only eat a meal with other brethren members. And they, they regard themselves as this elite, this tiny elite, and that everyone else, the whole of the rest of the population of the world, is all contaminated by sin and wickedness and is basically under the control of Satan. And Sounds so like it's very much, uh, it's like an apartheid. I mean, like South Africa used to be, you know, this little white elite, and then there was the masses, and yes, you know, they had to have separate swimming pools for them, separate beaches for them. You know, you couldn't share an elevator with them. It's very much that mentality and so when someone leaves the inside the elite position and goes outside, no matter how saintly their life might be, they are then contaminated by the masses and they're completely cut off socially. Um, you know, in some cases, you know, if you if you speak out against the brethren when you leave, you are absolutely completely cut off and condemned. If you're very good, keep very quiet and conform to their wishes, you might get to speak to your children or your grandchildren every six months or something briefly or have a supervised visit. But that's it. And of course, any time you transgress anything, then that's their leverage against you and they'll cut you off. It, it, my understanding is, and, and I could be wrong about this, but it's... Uh, based on my memory from uh interviewing other ex-members when you're still a member don't they do something to make your business basically theirs so that if you leave they can just steal the business how does that work yeah yeah well they have clauses in the in like the deeds of the business or the um whatever you call it corporation clauses that say that if someone ceases to be in fellowship with Bruce D. Hales or his successors entitled as Minister of the Lord in the recovery, then they automatically lose their shareholding in the business. 
So regardless of, you know, who might walk out, the business automatically stays in the control of people who are brethren. You know, if they legalize rub and tugs, bear with me, um, then the brethren would have to admit that they own rub and tugs. So when she... I don't know what I'm, I'm trying to find a light, a lighthearted moment in all this shit, because it's really disheartening because listen, like it's one thing. It's just all part of a milieu that that is just so abusive, mm. like take your family, isolate you from your family and friends, take your business, take your money, take your life, basically. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um I'm I'm really happy th- about uh, the work that you guys are doing, and I, I I'm I'm happy to be a small part of it because I I don't know if I've ever and it might exist I don't know if I've ever seen um, an entity uh, like the Get a Life podcast spring up and have so much positive impact so quickly. Uh, mm. You know I don't know if I've seen ex Jehovah's talking about the witness or ex you know whatever like ex Scientologists like. You know, th- this is not something that is is normal, but it is so important. And, um, you know, and I'm 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 grateful for you guys for doing it. Um, if, 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 do you guys want to pass along a message to Jimmy Hales? Because I'm going to beg him for an interview. <laughs> like we're I- just telling we we're just so looking forward to it. Yeah. Or any of his friends and relations for that matter. I'm serious about it though like I would love to sit down and have a conversation to help understand where they're at and I know that sounds absolutely naive but at the same time there's this little part of me that just thinks if I could just get a sit down I'm like still in there and all these people who need to want to have a sit down and talk to Bruce but it's just like Oh, to just be able to sit down and have a conversation it's to me it's about the it's the separation rule like it's just it's the separation rule you know I, I think um, that ex-members, especially ex-members who have been through tr- uh, trauma, I think the Get Alive podcast is is probably the, the best place for them to go. I think Blackballed is, is a distant second, but I will still take second place. But when it comes to, like, their spokespeople, I don't think they're going to talk to you guys. Right? No, like, they're not. Uh, like, they're more likely to talk to this guy somehow than they are <laughs> to talk to you guys. And 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 I'm... Look, at, I, I, I joke a lot, you know, because I, I'm, I try to find the humor in this shit just because it's, it's really dramatic stuff. But really, if Jimmy Hills or whoever, Brad Mitchell, whoever the spokespeople are for this organization, I would treat you fairly. Like, I wouldn't turn it into some weird circus and tell you to go fuck yourself. I, I would actually turn it into... There you go. Put it out to Brad Mitchell instead of Jimmy Hills. You might get Brad Mitchell. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed elephants in circuses anymore. You know what I would do, though, at the end? I would literally break bread and eat it so that they'd be violated. <laughs> um, Cheryl Hope, Richard Marsh, thank you very much for joining me today. And uh, and we'll see you guys again soon, okay? Thank you. Keep up the good work, guys. Take care. Yeah. Okay, that was good. Um, I needed that because, uh, you know, I, 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 I like covering... Like, like might be a weird word. I... I think that covering this organization is super important and being along for the ride with people like Cheryl and Richard who have been through so much. Um, don't forget the, the number one thing that really bothers me about this organization. And there, that's a long list. Um, and, and maybe I I'm extra sensitive to it because I have spent the last year um, really afraid of not living with my children. Uh, anymore and and just the prospect that it might be a possibility was enough for me to basically have a nervous breakdown and now I don't live with my kids anymore 
and um you know it's 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 not that bad but the but the main point is is that i'm not being kept from them in 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 the same way i could not imagine not seeing my children for years and years and years and years because they were involved in, with a religious institution so i am very um um thankful that there are people like richard and cheryl uh and lane and carmen who who uh navigate that podcast around the idea of helping save people who are either still in the church or just freshly out or who have been out for years and are still uh, wearing the residue or the negative veneer of what it was like to be brought up in that organization so these are the types of things that i think about and uh and and i hope um you know guys wait, wait, when when this show ends google the plymouth brethren christian church and start listening to the stories of these ex-members it is heartening it's disheartening stuff and it's super important that we keep a spotlight on it and keep the pressure on so uh again i'd like to thank richard marsh i'd like to thank cheryl hope and we will see you next time on black ball black and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. To the Blue Hotel I wanna live at the Blue Hotel The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares It's for the open-minded The pleasure seeker it's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.